I'm sharing with you this morning what I've entitled Maintaining Peace in Your Life. Maintaining Peace in Your Life. Just let that settle in for a moment. I believe when we hear something like that, there should be a sense of, yeah, <laughs> this is something that I want to work on, or I want to grow in this area. I believe that it is also applicable for this time of the year where perhaps a lot of people are facing a lot of stress and pressure at this time. Maintaining peace in your life. Would you please turn so long to Psalm 34. I'd like you to look at the scripture in your Bible, Psalm 34. I'll get to the specific verse in a moment. But I'd like to set it up by saying the following. And this is quite important that you catch this sort of foundational thought here. Let me say this. As I understand it, every child of God has the peace of God residing in them. But at the same time, we need to listen, work to maintain our peace as a daily reality. Does that make sense to you? So, let me say that again. Every child of God, when we've come into relationship with God, we have the peace of God, that deposit of peace in our lives. But, at the same time, we have to work to maintain peace, to walk in peace, to experience peace. As I look across a group of people here today, and people under the sound of my voice, there are different levels of, of, okay, pretty much everyone here, I'm sure, knows and loves the Lord, but there are different levels of the experiential peace of God in your day-to-day -day life. Some people have begun to apply certain things that have helped them to be at a higher level of peace. Some people haven't learned some of these things yet, and they have a little bit of a deficiency of peace, and this is why we are talking about it today. Let's look at Psalm 34. I asked you to turn there, verse 14, reading from the New King James Version. Just one verse of Scripture, Psalm 34, 14, it says, depart from evil and do good, seek peace and Pursue it. Depart from evil and do good. But then the second part, seek peace and pursue it. Let that just sink in for a moment. Seek peace. And not only seek it, but pursue it. Seek peace. Pursue it. You know, there might be some of us here, we're thinking, well, isn't this kind of something that just sort of falls into our lap? Well, according to the Word of God, this is something that we need to seek. And then there's the stronger word, beyond seek, pursue it. Sometimes in the Old Testament, we speak about going after and pursuing your enemies kind of thing. And so we need to have a sense of there is something that you have to possess in the area of peace. In other words, there needs to be a determination in your heart. A determination in your spirit. You might say, well, as I look at my family and the family that's gone before me and so on, 
I realize they haven't had an entering into the promised land in peace, in a rich way, and I want to change that in our lives. I want to see greater peace in my home, in my household, and I'm going to seek it, and I'm going to pursue it. So I pray that for some of you that just been sort of idling in this respect, I pray that there would come more of a determination in your heart saying, I want to live with plenty of peace. I'm not going to let the, the devil steal my joy, steal my peace. I'm going to be more protective over my peace to ensure that I walk in an abundance of peace. Because the Bible says that God has come to give us an abundant life. And that peace, I believe, is abundance. You know what abundant life? It is life with advantage, life with an edge. And when it comes to peace, it means that it is not in short supply. So there needs to be determination to seek peace. In the Amplified Classic Bible, verse 14 reads as follows. It says, seek, inquire for, and crave peace. Is that something that you do? Oh, we need to grow in this area. Seek, inquire for, and crave peace. Pursue it and go after it. The same verse 14 in the NLT says, search for peace, and then it says this, and work to maintain it. That ties in quite nicely with our title today, Maintaining Peace in Your Life. And that part says, and work to maintain it. There are four points that I'd like to share with you. Point number one, the first step towards peace is knowing God. Please say that with me. The first step towards peace is knowing God. Would you agree with that? Now, I'm sure you've heard of this phrase, Make your peace with God. It's a phrase that uh, we've heard over the years, make your peace with God. It is sometimes used when somebody is on their, perhaps on their deathbed. Maybe they haven't lived such a good life. And now they are endeavoring to make things right before they pass away. So right here at the end, they wanted to make things right. By the way, I wouldn't take the chance to wait right until the end to make things right. Because you know what? Life can be very unpredictable. And many people aren't afforded that opportunity to change like that in that last stage. Yeah, some people might be, you know, uh, in bed for quite some time and six or eight weeks and, and then they suddenly realize, well, I must say sorry to this one and sorry to this one and I must ask the Lord for forgiveness and so on and maybe the priest comes and visits and he does, you know, what the priests do and uh, deals with thing and so on. I wouldn't take that chance because sometimes you can be breathing the one moment and dead the next. My father... 57 years of age, he was breathing the one moment, walking on the grounds of the Union buildings, the next, his heart failed, he breathed his last breath, but thank God, he was so on fire for God, he just went straight up to heaven on a white horse, I think, something like that, you know? But sometimes you think, well, I'm going to, later on, I first want to be very, uh, let me put it this way, I first want to work on my testimony, <laughs> No, 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 folks. But that phrase, make your peace with God, does contain a lot of truth. And certainly we do need to make our peace with God. You know what? The moment you make your peace with God, 
The spiritual peace of God will flood through you. It really does. It floods through your heart, through your soul, through your spirit, and you have peace. And that's why when somebody has genuinely come to Jesus Christ and been converted, they stop looking at all different other ideologies and philosophies and religions and so on because Jesus alone is the one that satisfies. God says, if you're thirsty, come to me and you will never thirst again. It is Billy Graham. And he said the following. He said, inside every one of us is a God-like vacuum. In other words, there's this place inside each of us that only God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, can fill that place. And when God has filled that place, you stop seeking anymore. And now you just seek for more of God, more of God, more of Jesus, more of God. And so when Jesus' birth was prophesied in Isaiah, one of the names that was given to him was the name Prince of Peace. Isaiah 6 verse 9, I'll read it for you in the King James Version. It says, for unto us a child is born. And then it goes on to say, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and then this name, the Prince of Peace. Say that with me, the Prince of Peace peace. Sometimes I think that the name Prince of Peace has perhaps almost become cliched. We're so used to hearing it, perhaps especially around Christmas time, that maybe we don't fully appreciate the meaning and the beauty of this name. Nevertheless, I want to say to you that this name, Prince of Peace, is one of the most beautiful names of all, referring to Jesus. Appreciate the name Prince of Peace in a fresh way today. And when we say Prince of Peace, what is the significance? When you talk about Jesus as the Prince of Peace, the significance is that he is the one that presides over peace. He presides over peace. It also is the case that Jesus is the one who dispenses the peace of God to people's hearts. It is also a case that realizing when we say Prince of Peace, that he is the source of peace. And so he is the Prince of Peace. Praise God for the Prince of Peace. In your heart, just say, thank you, Jesus. I remember seeing a bumper sticker years ago. It had two lines. The first line said, spelt N-O, no God, no peace. Spelt N-O. No God, no peace. In other words, if you don't have God in your life, you will not have peace in your life. The second line said, K-N-O-W, no God, no peace. Very, very true. The reality is, there can be no peace until we are at peace with the maker of the heavens and earth. Peace is only found in the Prince of Peace. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Can you honestly say today that you have made your peace with God? I trust you have. But if you haven't, if not, we can pray with you. And you can receive lasting peace that comes through salvation in Jesus Christ. Point number two. 
Making righteous decisions produces a harvest of peace. Please say this with me. Making righteous decisions produces a harvest of peace. Another way of saying this is, listen, the fruit of righteousness is peace. And so one of the things that we've got to ask in this is, well, what kind of seeds am I sowing? Because I do want this harvest of peace, but what kind of seeds am I sowing? Now, would you please turn in your Bible to Isaiah 32, verse 17. And when I ask you, I actually mean it. Please turn to Isaiah 32, verse 17. And uh, I'm reading from the New King James Version, Isaiah 32, 17. I'll give you a moment to get there. The reason why I want you to turn there is because this is a scripture that I would encourage you to even highlight or underline and take special note of the scripture because it's powerful. Isaiah 32, 17, it says, the fruit, sorry, the work of righteousness will be peace. Look at that. You could say the fruit of righteousness, but here it says, the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Folks, this is a beautiful verse of scripture. If you would meditate on this, it will impact your heart and mind. If you think of the, the vine and the branches, so you have a grapevine and you have branches, but Imagine that the vine is righteousness and the branches are peace. So what happens in the natural? If you have a grapevine, it's into the ground, it's watered, it's been taken care of. So you have a vine. And if it is connected in to its source, then what happens is this vine automatically produces branches that come out. It's an automatic thing. In the same way, in terms of righteousness, righteousness is a vine, and out of this vine, branches come, and those branches are called peace. This is just a principle in God, and so out of the vine comes branches. Out of the vine of righteousness comes peace. It's just the way God has made it. It's just the way in which it happens. And so in other words, there is uh, peace is the automatic outflow of righteousness. And so folks, this is why we want to make righteous decisions in our lives. <laughs> because if we're making righteous decisions, the automatic branches that come out will be peace, will be a harvest of peace in your life. But let me say this. If we make unrighteous decisions, what will happen is the following. We can expect a harvest of a lack of peace, of unrest, and evil, even of turmoil in our lives. Now, let me give you an example of when I made a decision which wasn't the right decision. Years ago, I was driving in the northwest province and uh, in the rural roads in the countryside there. And I came to an intersection at which they were, I saw they were selling tortoises. <laughs> now, 
that's not really allowed. But you know what? I really wanted a tortoise. And so I decided this is great. Leopard tortoise, here we go. I had visions of my, my big leopard tortoise in the garden and so on. And so I bought it, I brought it home. Strangely enough, it only lived for a few days and then died. But let me tell you this, oh boy, my peace was disturbed. Not so much because it had died, but because I had bought it in the first place. And as I was thinking about this and processing it, I knew that what I did was not right, and then I would try to justify it to myself, and actually, no, John, you actually did a very good thing. You rescued the tortoise. You, you rescued him. You brought him into the promised land. But you know what? No matter how I tried to justify it to myself, I knew that it was not good. And so what did I do? I went before the Lord, and I said, Lord, what I have done is not a good decision. It's, it's not a righteous decision. And so I just brought it before the Lord, and I said, Lord, I am sorry for that. Please forgive me. And you know what? Immediately, the peace of God was restored. Immediately into my heart, the peace of God was restored. The peace of God was restored. The fruit of righteousness is peace. And so as we determine to do what is right and walk according to God's principles, we set ourselves up for a harvest of peace. The fruit of righteousness is peace. It says in uh, Psalm 37, 37, it says, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright. For the future of that man is peace. It's guaranteed. <laughs> the future of that man is peace. And this principle of the fruit of righteousness is peace is so powerful that it can even provide peace for the innocent party in a strained marriage. Interesting. You could be listening to me here today and your marriage is in difficulty. There's a lot of turmoil there. Maybe your spouse is making all of the wrong decisions, wrong choices, wrong bad uh, business choices, wrong alignments with different people and so on. And so this is really creating a distress in your heart and so on. But I want to tell you, even in that strained marriage, if you will do what is right, you will have a harvest of peace. You will have a harvest of peace even in the midst of the storm because that's what God does. And you think of Jesus when he was on the boat, sleeping on the boat. He was in complete peace. Although there was chaos around about him, he was in complete peace. I want to tell you, this principle is powerful. The fruit of righteousness is peace. The fruit of righteousness is peace. Please tell the person next to you, the fruit of righteousness is peace. Point number three. Don't let someone else control your level of peace. Oftentimes, listen to this, we let what other people do control our state of well-being and our state of peace. Let's say you're at work and one of your work colleagues disrespects you, says something derogatory, doesn't follow things like, you, you know, you hope and expect. And next thing, you begin to agonize over it in your heart. You are agonizing, you are distressed, 
You are playing this over and over again and you think of how you could have ripped back at them and said, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know? <laughs> and again, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know? And you're thinking about this. You know, in that situation where you are facing that, realize that actually your peace is being stolen and you are actually allowing it. You are actually saying, okay, take my peace indirectly. That is what you are saying. It says in Romans 12, verse 21, it says, do not overcome, sorry, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, when you are in a situation like that, don't get plans into place of how you can get back at them, but you overcome evil with good. And in this situation, you overcome evil by choosing to do the good thing of maintaining peace and also acting in a way which is in keeping with the fruit of the Spirit of the Lord. I want to say to you, don't let somebody steal your joy. Come on, church. Don't let somebody steal your peace. I believe that we need to become more possessive over what is precious to us. Our joy is precious. Our peace is precious. Don't let somebody steal your joy. Don't let them steal your peace. Because listen, if peace stealers, if you're going to allow them to have their way in your life, then you will always be at the mercy of their actions. And it means then you go to work in the day, and the day is not determined by how you determine it, but it's determined by how people treat you. Very, very important. There needs to become a greater determination. Thank you, God. I will watch over my heart. Holy Spirit, help me to stay in a place of peace. I'm not going to get twisted out of shape. I'm not going to get bent out of shape. I'm trusting you, God. You see, peace is a state of heart and mind which comes from the source of peace, God himself. But we must also choose to walk in that peace as a daily reality. Sometimes we tend to say, well, I'm not having peace now, but I'm waiting for my circumstances to change. So if my circumstances change, then I will have peace. Or we say, I don't like my job. And if I can get a better job, then I will have peace. No, we don't put things off like that. We need to take hold of peace despite our circumstances. And when you do that, it could just bring about a change in your circumstances. Listen to the statement. This is something that I learned long ago. Somebody shared this with me. You need to have a breakthrough in your circumstances before God will allow you to break out of your circumstances. And in my own life, when I was in our previous church environment, there were times when my heart was in turmoil with everything that I was going through. It was my dad's church, and now all sorts of things had changed, and, and things weren't going well for us as a family, and so on. And in all of that, there were things happening in my heart that I had to work through, that I had to deal with. And God said to me in one point in time, John, you have to have a change in your circumstances that you're faced with right now before I will allow you to break out of your circumstances. So let God work in your heart right now. And keep in mind that we really need peace in life. Why? Because peace helps to bring about enjoyment. 
And if we are letting other people in our families or workplace steal our peace, then it's actually taking all of the enjoyment out of life. And we don't want the enjoyment to be stolen out of life. We want the abundant life, the life with advantage, the life with benefits that God has given to us and promised us. I want to ask you this question. So what do you do if you have completely blown it and you have become very distressed, your peace is gone and you're in that place right now? What do you do? How do you handle that situation? I believe that one of the best ways of getting on top of that, because you feel so low in your emotions, is to begin to listen to beautiful worship music. It really makes a big difference in your life. It really does. You know, there's something about a spirit of heaviness that has to go when praise is evident. I think of Paul and Silas, how they began to praise in their circumstances, and then what happened as a result? They were set free from their circumstances. And so, when you want to get over this rut that you're in, of being distressed, of being upset, then you begin to worship God and you listen to worship music. And that is what King Saul did. King Saul, the Bible says, would sometimes be plagued with distress. It refers to a distressing spirit would try to come against him. And then would, what would uh, King Saul do? He would call for young David, that excellent anointed missionary. And he would say, David, come bring your harp, plug it in, connect it into your amplifier and start to pray, play. Maybe the harp didn't look like that. All right. Maybe the harp looked a little bit more like, nee, 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 nee. you know what I mean? Clouds, etc. But you know what? As the presence of God would come in worship, that distressing spirit would leave Saul and Saul's peace would be restored. There is a key. Point number four, are you still with me, church? This is a very practical one. Number four, put boundaries in place to reduce pressure and increase peace. I'm pretty convinced that many of us here really need to hear this today about putting some boundaries in place. Now, everyone knows that stress is a major problem in our society today and in this time, it appears to be progress progressively worse year after year. More and more people, we know that more and more people are diagnosed with stress-related illnesses. And somehow, life has become too complex and too pressured. Does anybody agree with me? Life has become too pressured. No, 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 you're not agreeing with me. Has life become too pressured? For many people, it really is the case. I just want to put in a little side note here for a moment. I believe that young people, I'm talking in primary school and in high school, are put under too much pressure today from the schooling system. When you see the amount of homework and work and assignments and extramural activities and cultural activities and clubs and this and that and the next thing, I'm of the opinion that there's too much pressure put on young people. And I want to say, I believe it's time for good men and women of God, parents, to begin to push back against that. Come on, you begin to push back against that. Push back, push back. 
And so I'm not going to let my son or my daughter be absolutely consumed with school because there's other stuff to do besides for school. And so I believe that some of us need to begin to speak out about this because otherwise our kids are so pressurized. But you know what? Even in this world of a lot of pressure, of a lot of complexity, I want to say, but the Holy Spirit is still our helper, praise the Lord. And He helps us to experience peace even in this chaotic world. He helps us to experience peace even now in 2023 as we're going into 2024. He is still there as the one to help us. And it says in John 14 verse 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And this was given not too long before Jesus departed from the earth. And Jesus didn't say, listen, I'm leaving you in a hellish situation. Jesus did say there will be trials and tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. But what did God say? God said, I am giving you peace as I leave this is what I'm giving you. In other words, this is your portion, child of God. You have this portion of peace. Let not your heart be troubled. And so I want to say to you, peace is our portion, but we also have to be wise with the practical ways in living our lives. May I give you a key, uh, uh, I believe a helpful key to maintaining peace in your life. Here it is. Don't take on more than you are wired to handle. Does that speak to anybody here today? Don't take on more than you're wired to handle. Because you can only handle so much. Can I remind you, you are not a machine. You are not a robot. You have limitations. You are not a robot. Please tell the person next to you, you are not a robot. Tell them that. <laughs> and so we have limitations in terms of what we can take on. We cannot think we can keep on putting more and more and more and more and more on our plate and our peace will not be affected. No, then you're not cooperating with God. Tell your story uh, a number of years ago, 10 or 12 years ago, a lady in the church said to me, you know, she'd like to make herself available just to serve and help a little bit, volunteer a little bit here at the church, but maybe isn't there something different that she could do? So I thought about it and then I thought, wow, there's actually quite a big responsibility that I'd really like help with. So I met with this lady and I said, uh, I'd really appreciate, would you consider helping in this area? And I said, it involves this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, you know. But I thought maybe she'll be booked for it, she'll be ready and go for it and so on. And so by the end of the meeting, she said, okay, can I just think about it and pray about it to make a quality decision? I thought, can't you just make a quality decision right now? <laughs> But anyhow, I said, no problem, you think about it, you make a quality decision. And you know what? She came back to me a couple of days later, and she said the following, she said, please would you release me, because this was her line, she said, I cannot take that on and still maintain my peace. I thought, this lady's very clever. 
I was a little bit annoyed because I thought, come on, man, help me. I need help in this situation. But actually, I came to respect what she said. She said, I cannot take that on as well and maintain my peace. Now, in Galatians 6, verse 2 to 5 in the NIV, I'm not going to read it to you, but I am just going to say that it talks about carrying each other's burdens and in this way fulfilling the law of Christ. And then later on it says, we mustn't compare ourselves to each other for each one must carry their own load. Now, there are two things mentioned here. There's number one, carrying other people's burdens. And there is number two, carrying our own loads. And listen, this is where we often make the mistake. Because we do not know where to draw the line. And we see in God's word about bearing one another's burdens. And yes, undoubtedly God has called us to bear one another's burdens. But that is only up until a point. And ultimately, each one, the Bible says, must bear their own load. I'd like to remind you that ultimately Jesus is the Savior. Sometimes I think we have a Messiah complex where we think I have to help everybody. You know, and if I don't help them, they are going to be absolutely ruined. Uh, no, no, no. There is a Savior. There is the Messiah. And He is far more capable. And if you don't go, God will send somebody. But we need to realize that we are not the Savior. Sometimes for us as pastors and shepherds and church leaders and so on, we take it so to heart that we start to try to step into being the Savior. No, Jesus is the Savior. Now, you and I, we can help. We can be a blessing. But we also need to have healthy boundaries in place. I'm starting to draw to a close. Listen to this. We need to learn to say no more often. Would you please say the word no? No. Say it again. No. Now, please turn to the person next to you and say it firmly. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Do you know what? Say no is one of the best ways of relieving pressure. If you're facing too much pressure in your life, maybe you need to say no to somebody. Now, you know what? I've discovered that some people... They are almost unable to say no. They are people pleasers. And so you, you, you try to get the word no out of their mouths and they're like, yes. You know? They cannot get the word no out of their mouth. But you know what? There are times when we simply must say no and God is backing you 100% to say no. And so I want to say to you that saying no is a way of being kind to yourself. May I ask you this question? Have you been kind to yourself lately? <laughs> Have you been kind to yourself lately? Have you said, no, I'm sorry, I can't take that on and still maintain my peace? Joyce Meyer, Mama Joyce. So... She was complaining to God. I, I saw this on one of her programs. And she was complaining to God about her busy schedule. And she was saying, God, 
why do I have to be so busy? I'm speaking all the time, and then I'm in this state and that state and this city and then this country and that country and so on. And she was just complaining to God. And then God pointed out, Joyce, you draw up your own schedule. <laughs> and she thought it's actually true. She realized I can decide to have more meetings or I can decide to have less meetings. But through this, she realized that boundaries needed to be in place. And so she purposed in her heart that she was going to have some more healthy boundaries in place. And so I want to encourage you, child of God, that you would have the boldness to put healthy boundaries in place, that you would look after yourself and enjoy the peace that comes from that. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Amen. Just to recap these points. Number one, the first step towards peace is knowing God. Secondly, making righteous decisions produces a harvest of peace. Put another way, the fruit of righteousness is peace. Number three, don't let someone else control the level of your peace. And lastly, number four, put boundaries in place to reduce pressure and increase peace. May I invite you to stand, please, as we close in prayer. And so I end off with this verse of Scripture before we pray. Philippians 4, verse 17. And the peace of God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, your word is clear to us today. We thank you that you have spoken. I believe that also the heart of you, Abba Father, has come through. I pray for those that are stressed and burdened and facing a lack of peace and turmoil. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over that. We take it, we uproot it out of their lives, and we say to unrest and turmoil and distress, be gone. We rebuke you in Jesus' name. Now, just as you lift your hands to the Lord, Lord, we receive your peace. It comes from you, O Prince of Peace. There is no peace like the peace that comes from Jehovah. Now we receive your peace afresh today. Thank you that you settle hearts, that you settle minds. Thank you for your peace. And now, dear Heavenly Father, we also want to say, please help us. Holy Spirit, please help us in our day-to-day -day lives. We don't want to just hear this message and agree, but we want it to be applied to our lives. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to work alongside us as our paraclete, to come and help us to walk in greater levels of peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of His smile upon you and give you His peace in Jesus' name. All God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. You're free to be on your way.